Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. On the show this week, we'll be discussing Israel's general election on March 17th. It has turned into a knife-edge contest, with the centre-left Zionist Union led by Isaac Herzog overtaking the right-wing Likud party of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in the polls. For the last few years, Israel's electorate appeared to be veering ever more to the right of the political spectrum, with security concerns taking priority. If the polls are right, Israelis may tilt back to the left on the back of economic and social concerns, but perhaps not enough to allow Mr Herzog to displace Mr Netanyahu as Prime Minister at the helm of a fresh coalition government. Joining me to discuss the election is John Reed, our Jerusalem correspondent, although he's in Tel Aviv. And here in the studio is Rula Khalaf, the FT's foreign editor. John, can I start with you? Give us the sort of lay of the land. How is it panning out in the final days of campaigning? With the very last polls coming in right now, Isaac Herzog's Zionist Union, formerly the Labour Party, is leading Netanyahu's Likud by three to four seats, which may be just enough to give them the nod to form the next coalition. The two parties have been running neck and neck until now, but things seem to have tilted in their favour over the last week. What's striking to many outsiders is how the two main parties, how little of the vote share and seat share they would actually end up with in the Knesset. I mean, Israeli politics has fragmented enormously. Is it possible to have a sort of stable coalition government? Are we looking at a grand coalition? Where are things heading? Absolutely right. Yeah, we don't know what's going to come out of this. And indeed, even if Mr. Herzog's party comes out ahead, it's by no means certain he'll be able to form a coalition. Reuven Rivlin, the president, said he would turn to the faction with the greatest chance of forming a coalition. And that may or may not be Zionist Union. They've got higher odds against them of forming a coalition because they would need some combination of other centrist parties, including Yair Lapid and Moshe Kaplan's new party and the religious parties on their side and possibly the joint Arab list, which is poised to come in third place as a silent partner. Now, the Arabs have said they won't formally join a coalition. So it's very tricky math on their side, even if they've won the vote outright. Ruler, it's a bit unfair to ask you this question before we've actually had polling day, but seen from outside, what difference do you think this is going to make and what does it really tell us about Israel today? I think people outside are watching this election very closely, not least because the last few years of the Netanyahu government, during these last few years, I think a lot of people in Europe and in the US have had issues with the government. It's become much more difficult to deal with, as we've seen in in the last few weeks in the US in particular. And I think there's a feeling that Israel's become more isolated and more inward looking. So I think, although no one will openly say it, a lot of people abroad are hoping that Zionist Union will win, but also more importantly, that it will be able to form the next government. It certainly seems as if Isaac Herzog would be a breath of fresh air, particularly for Israel's partners around the world. But would he substantively change direction on a number of issues? 
I think sometimes it's more in style than in substance. I think his concerns are definitely the same. The big issue is Iran, of course. But I think that from what we've seen, he's not willing, at least, to jeopardize the relationship with the US because of concerns over a possible Iran deal. So I think probably there will be a difference on the Palestinian issue as well. I mean, you've been in a deadlock now for several years, and I think there is a willingness on the part of Zionist Union to restart negotiations with the Palestinians. You know, none of these issues are clear-cut or easy to handle. And I think it will also depend on what kind of government he's able to form, if he is to form a government. There was, not long ago, you know, the party that won an election by Zibilibni wasn't able to actually form a government. So I think there are a lot of questions over the next few days. John, what do we know about Isaac Herzog compared to Bibi Netanyahu? He is a sort of rather duller, drier character, but is that perhaps what Israelis now want after some turbulent years? I think perhaps so. I think arguably so. I compare him a little bit to Ed Miliband, that is lacking a bit in the charisma department, but certainly very experienced. He's a former corporate lawyer, a son of a former president of Israel, grandson of a former chief rabbi of Ireland. A fluent English speaker, minister in five former governments, a great resume, and a great record as a political operative in what he's done inside the Labour Party, the compromises he's formed, the ability he's shown to form this new union with Sipi Living, which is what put them up in the polls in the first place. I think he's extremely skilled, definitely a different character than the barnstorming, very charismatic, very loquacious Mr. Netanyahu. But yes, as you point out, arguably, Israelis might be ready for something else now. The run-up to this election was clearly dominated by that speech, Netanyahu, to the US Congress on Iran, criticising the Obama administration's search for a compromise deal with Tehran. John, has that rebounded against the prime minister in this campaign? I think it definitely has. From the beginning, this was seen as a political ploy on his part. And the opinion polls immediately after the speech showed him getting at most one to two more Knesset seats, probably from other right-wing parties. Most Israelis, the press commentary here was largely very negative. There was a feeling that he was putting the all-important Israeli-U.S. relationship on the line to score some political points and look tough vis-a-vis Obama. It did not play well. But Ruler, if Mr. Herzog were Prime Minister, you can imagine him being equally tough on the substance of a deal, no? Yes, I think there will be sort of certain red lines that any Israeli leader will have. But I think that what Mr. Netanyahu has done is push it a little bit further, because if you look at the reaction of the security establishment in Israel, I think the security establishment is willing to live with the contours of a deal that is closer to what's being negotiated than the more of a zero tolerance that Mr. Netanyahu has for any kind of enrichment in Iran. But I think one really important point in this election is that we tend to think of Israeli politics according to more regional and global questions. Iran, Israeli-Palestinian relations. But like any other election, like any other country, Israelis are voting mainly on domestic issues, domestic economic and social issues. So whatever outcome comes out, it's going to be based a lot more on the impact that people see from these political parties on their daily lives and on income uh, inequalities. So I think we also have to be careful in how we interpret an Israeli election. John, on that point, do you think there'll be a 
big change of tack on the economy from a centre-left coalition government? I have to say no. I think it's interesting if you read the detail of what Herzog's saying. He's saying more spending on social programs, on helping health and education, more spending on housing, a sensible plan for housing. He's also acknowledging that Israel can't break the bank on this. He's being very pragmatic about it. The money they're talking about is 7 billion shekels, which is about, I think it's $1.75 billion over two years. And that would fit reasonably within budgetary arrangements. I mean, I think the Israeli public would be very pleased at gestures made in this direction. It's not going to be a radical change. Okay, that's it for this week. My thanks to Rula Khalaf and John Reed. World Weekly is produced by Fiona Simon. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.